Hello, listeners, and welcome to the February Divorce and Beyond Headlines Roundup. This is a brand new bonus feature that I started in 2022, and in these bonus episodes, I'm going to be highlighting some of the high-profile divorce cases in recent headlines. I want to be clear about why I'm talking about these cases, though, because it's not just the prurient interest, right? I know we all love to hear about the divorce travails of the rich and famous, Um, but often, honestly, the press presents a bit of a misleading or slanted versions of both the facts as well as, you know, the law that applies to that facts. And in fact, it also presents a really negative perception of the divorce process. And of course, I'm not saying that, you know, the divorce process isn't difficult and that there aren't a lot of negative aspects to it. But that tends to get amplified in the headlines, right? You're always hearing about divorce wars and, you know, a lot of the things uh, that get filed. And often, you know, we who practice in the area of family law, I will read an article where the headline's all about this inflammatory accusation that's been made by one person against the other. And then when I actually go read what was filed, it's really boilerplate, normal stuff that gets filed in almost every divorce um, pro forma, you know, by by rote, not because they're actually uh, valid allegations or that they mean the slant that the press has put on them. So I want to talk about these cases, and I've specifically picked some that have some interesting details to them that I think I can then, you know, give you some lessons or some insights that are going to help you on your journey through divorce and beyond. So with that said, let's get started. Um, Of course, I I can't even start this episode without saying, of course, I'm going to be talking about all of the hullabaloo around Kim and Kanye. I mean, how can I not, right? Because it is about the only thing that you see in the tabloids these days. But I'm going to save that case for the end, frankly, because there's so much to talk about and because I really do want to hit on some of these other still high profile cases, but maybe don't have um, quite the presence in the media that that one does. So let's dive into case number one. Um, This is a high profile, ultra high net worth couple in Palm Beach. Um, Recently, police were called to the multi-million dollar Palm Beach waterfront estate of New York real estate mogul Abe Haruvi and his wife Giovanna. Um, so this is, I actually happened to be here in Florida as I am taping this. Um, and I, this is down right down the street from Mar-a-Lago is where this occurred. So you can imagine the McMansion that, um, the police were called to when they got there, they found the wife Giovanna and the couple's two children, Uh, in distress, waiting at the end of the driveway for the police to come. I think reportedly Mr. Haruvi was still in the house. Um, According to the reports in the press, uh, Mrs. Haruvi had redness um, caused by scratches on her chest and said that she had gotten into an argument with her husband. Ultimate end of all of this is that he was led out of the house in handcuffs and charged with misdemeanor battery. Um, He was later then ordered to move out of the house and cease all contact uh, with his wife, uh, according to a restraining order that was issued. Um, So why is this case of interest? What would I like you all to think about as a result from this? Well, 
First off, I think it's really important to notice that domestic violence does does happen in all families, in all couples, not just poor, not just rich. Anyone can be a victim of domestic violence. So we have an ultra high net worth family here down the street from, you know, mega estates of former presidents. And she's, you know, huddled at the end of the driveway with her children, um, making a domestic violence call, right? So first off, that's, that's one of the things that I think we all need to know. Um, and then, you know, the fact that she was there with the two children, I think that's something we need to talk about as well. Because domestic violence, even if only directed at one of the people in the relationship, in this case, um, the wife, it affects the entire family. So we know that at the very least, from this, if this police report um, and news story are correct, that these children were at the very least present with their mother when the police came in, in response to a domestic violence call. We know they then saw their father led away in handcuffs um, and that their father was um, you know, evicted essentially or ordered to move out of the home and not have any contact with his wife. Um, we don't know what contact orders were issued around the children. But that's another really significant factor here is that, you know, when these calls go in, mom got out of the house, took the kids, hopefully went to a place of safety. I'm hoping the end of the driveway was a place of safety. It was a public place, hopefully, um, and called for help. But those kids will never unsee that. Um, and that is something that we who may be the abused need to remember. It doesn't matter if your children are not physically being abused, even if you are, uh, they are suffering from that abuse. Uh, the other thing is, I think I wanted to talk about this a little bit. We have an episode with my friend, attorney Uzwa Khan, um, who was uh, a counsel for one of the domestic violence shelters in Connecticut about how to get a restraining order. Um, great episode. If you are suffering from domestic abuse and want to get a restraining order, um, Uswa really walks you through step-by-step step what you need to do because we do know many people go to court without an attorney to get a restraining order. But there, I, one thing I wanted to point out here is that there are a couple of kinds of restraining orders. There's that kind where the, um, the person, the victim goes to court and gets a restraining order by filing an application, giving the court enough facts to believe that that person is in danger from the other person so that they will issue the order. But there are also restraining orders issued. They're called different things in different states. Um, in Connecticut, where Uswa practices, they're called a protective order. Um, when they are issued by the criminal court, when someone is arrested for domestic violence. So most states have some sort of no contact or restraining order that will go into place immediately upon one of the partners in a relationship. Um, or in a domestic situation, um, family situation, whatever, um, where it's considered a domestic partner, um, will be restrained in some fashion. Um, and that will issue automatically and will stay in place usually throughout the duration of the, cr the pending criminal matter, unless steps are taken to have it dismissed. Um, and that would usually be done with, um, only with the, um, 
agreement of the victim. But so it's really important, and I do want people to re realize there are two different types of restraining order. The domestic violence arrest is almost always going to lead to one. Um, again, so for those of you who have domestic violence issues in your relationship, want to know more about a restraining order, definitely go listen to the Uzwa Khan, Everything You Need to Know to Get a Restraining Order episode. I'll link to it in the show notes. And then... Case number two was an interesting one. Um, actor and comedian Rob Riggle, um, you probably know him. He was on um, he was on with Jon Stewart on The Daily Show uh, for years, and he's filed a lawsuit against his former wife, alleging that she secretly filmed him with a spy camera while they were going through divorce. So they were nesting during the divorce and they would each, you know, move out at opposite times and one would stay in the house with the kids. And he started to notice that she seemed to know things that she wouldn't know about his time in the house, um, that she wouldn't know if she weren't in some way recording him. So he actually had the house swept and lo and behold, there was a fake fire detector in his office that had a camera in it. And these things are readily available on the internet, in the spy stores, all over the place. And I'm not telling you that because I'm encouraging you to go out and get one because there's a lot of reasons not to do that. But reportedly... Um, on the, so he got the camera, it was functioning when he, they found it. And so he was able to go through the data that was stored on it. There's an actual picture of her allegedly, um, installing the camera in his office in the fire, uh, fire detector. So, you know, she is sort of hung on her own petard here, hoisted on her own petard, uh, because I would imagine that photograph is going to be evidence about her planting that camera. Um, she can't say somebody else did it or she doesn't know how it got there when they have a picture of her installing it. Um, interestingly, there was also another picture of her taking money out of the safe in the office, which might or might not be a violation of the automatic orders or the restraining orders of the court that go in place when people are getting a divorce that say no one can dissipate funds without the um, uh, court order or without the permission of the other party. So a few things of interest here. He is suing her in a separate lawsuit. So this is not the divorce lawsuit. Um, this is a separate lawsuit. He's suing her for damages as well as an injunction at, that she no longer tape him, uh, record him, as well as a return, a re, the return of all the recordings and pictures. He's seeking both of those damages and the injunction. In fact, I did not see any evidence in this um, article that I read and couldn't find anything online, but in some states, this would also be a crime. Um, violating someone's privacy, invading someone's privacy, um, recording someone without their consent, all could very well be considered crimes in many jurisdictions. And there's why I'm telling you, do not just run out and get one of these sneaky cameras and think that um, it's all going to go well for you. Uh, these, This is really frowned upon in the court. And very often, if you illegally are getting your evidence, you're not permitted to put it into evidence when you even get to court. And you may find yourself on the side of sanctions or again, a lawsuit uh, like this one or a criminal prosecution. Um, 
you know, back in the old days, uh, when I first started practicing 30 years ago, what people commonly did was down in the basement, if there was a phone line connector, they would connect a recording device down there and down in the basement or up in the attic, they'd be recording all the telephone calls. I mean, we know we've gone way beyond that with the technology that's available to people. And they can, you know, people can get into your laptop and turn the camera on in your laptop. Uh, we've been hearing all these stories about Apple AirTags being used to stalk people. There's a lot of really scary stories. Um, in the news about that. And, you know, we've really gone beyond um, and technology has really given people a, a number of ways to harass and um, cause problems for the person that they're divorcing with. But do be very careful about doing this and be especially wary of doing it yourself. Bottom line, if you get into a courtroom and you have gotten your evidence in this fashion, don't expect that a judge is going to be particularly happy to hear that you violated the privacy without permission of your co-parent or your soon-to-be ex-spouse. Uh, so a, a few good, interesting takeaways from that one. It'll be interesting to see, and I'll let you know down the road if I can find out what happens with this lawsuit. Um, the third case I wanted to talk about, not a really long little blurb here, but I thought it was interesting because it's probably information many people don't know. So Senator Kirsten Sinema, um, her divorce papers were recently published online, meaning somebody actually went into the courthouse, got copies of her divorce file and printed them on some, I think it was Radar Online or some tabloidy type um, website online. Uh, so what's interesting about that, a few things. One, that divorce was finalized in 1999. So someone was able to go back and get those court records from more than 20 years ago in order to put them online like that. So the, the, the point that you need to realize here whenever you are talking about your court file is that divorce pleadings in almost all states to some degree are public, public record. Anybody can go and take a look at them. Um, and so what that means is if something happens in your future life that makes you, uh, puts you in the spotlight, like Senator Cinema, you might find your, the fact that you kept the, I don't know, it was the 1988, uh, you know, Honda Civic, um, making headlines, which I'm not sure why that was important, but they felt the need to, um, to put that in the article. But more importantly, I always remind clients when they ask me to file something in the pleadings, remember who else is out there that might go look at these court papers. Um, I have heard cases over and over again where kids, as they've gotten older, who haven't heard what happened in their parents' divorce from their parents, decide that they're going to go to the courthouse and look through that paperwork. And that can reveal an awful lot of private information to your children that they are frankly better off not knowing. Um, you should know most states have made the financial affidavits that you file. Uh, they have made those secure and inaccessible to anyone uh, but the court, um, to the parties and to the attorneys involved. But do keep in mind every motion that you file, every pleading that you file, your final MSA often, the judgment, that's all 
often public record. So if you're putting allegations in there, if you are saying a lot of nasty things about your spouse because there's a satisfaction in saying them, although there's not much legal recourse you're going to get from them, then just remember that that paper doesn't go anywhere. It sits there forever. Certainly Senator Cinema found out the hard way. Um, and then case number four, before we get to uh, Kim and Kanye, is is actually um, a positive story that I took out of the news, not something that we see too often in these headlines, but Real Housewives of New Jersey star Jennifer, Jennifer Aiden has forgiven her husband, Dr. Bill Aiden, for his decade-old affair. So that was the headline. Um, and she confirmed that her commitment to their marriage Uh, she put this out on her social medias that she was glad that 10 years earlier she had forgiven him and moved forward. And I wondered why are we talking about this 10 years later? Um, And and just so to give you a little layer of what happened 10 years ago when she was pregnant with their fourth child, he had an affair. Um, So that, that fourth child that she was pregnant with is now 10 years old. And that one of her children or their children found out about the old affair on TikTok just before Real Housewives of New Jersey was supposed to launch for the season. Um, and of course, that brought up the conversation within the household. And so to her credit, I believe she brought this up from a perspective of sharing the information from from two points. One is that some marriages do survive adultery and infidelity. That That is not what we hear about most of the time. Um, it's not what most people who are listening to this are probably thinking about if you are someone who has suffered from someone else um, committing adultery or infidelity. But it does happen. Um, many couples are able to move through it and, and emerge intact and and whole. Um, Obviously, as a divorce attorney, those aren't the cases I hear about very often. Um, And certainly, again, it's not what we hear about in the media. So I do think it's, I give her credit for bringing it up because it, it sparks that conversation for us all, right? Something that we can all um, think about if the issue arises. But also, I think it's important because as much as you will hear from every professional in the world that your children should not be involved in the adult conversation about adultery, infidelity, the causes for the breakdown of your marriage, etc., the world we live in today means that very likely they will find something out or just in their curious nature, they're going to in their minds come up with a reason why their parents split up. Um, And frankly, adultery is such a common reason it wouldn't be a surprise for kids' minds to go there. So I think it was really an interesting conversation that she opened up because she also wanted to say one of the reasons that she was talking about it was to show her kids that she was okay with it so that they could model that behavior and be okay with it themselves. They needed to see that their mom was okay and that they didn't need to go into protective mode or dad bashing mode or any of those things. So it is important because your kids are likely to start hearing these things at some point in their lives or start wondering about it. It's important to consider having an appropriate conversation with them if the topic comes up or if it's an appropriate time to do it. Now, I say that with the caveat for all of the people out there, and I've represented many clients who are of this mindset, 
that, you know, if your, your spouse has committed adultery, they have done an irrevocable thing that has destroyed your family. And therefore your children have a right to know that their parent destroyed their family. I've heard that argument more times than I care to count. That is not fair to your children. I'm just going to say it. Um, your children are still one half the, of their other parent. And what happened between the two of you as adults does not have a bearing on your children from the perspective of that making that parent a bad parent. Um, and I know that's not a popular position, but it's it's truly something if you do any research at all on you know children and children's needs, especially when they're going through divorce, they need both of their parents. And your need to badmouth their other parent to them is really more about you and how you feel than what's best for them. So I've just been pretty blunt there and I apologize. Feel free to send me an email if you don't like what I just said, but I truly believe that and I have seen, keep in mind 32 years of doing this for a living, I have seen this come back in so many difficult ways to haunt children who have been um, over-parentified or put in a position where they're made to feel like they have to choose a parent and that is on the parent who puts them in that position. Um, and that's by having a conversation with them. So interesting case, um, interesting that she chose to bring this out on her social media, um, but I can commend her for the thought. All right, folks, drum roll, please. I, I could not get through this entire episode, right, without talking about Kim and Kanye. And it's really talking about Kanye. I mean, he, what can I say? I mean, this divorce is all over the news lately, every single day, multiple stories. He, Kanye West, just seems to daily have something to do or say that is moving this case to the forefront. And there is a lot to unpack in what has been going on because a lot has happened and there's a lot we should take note of. So first off, I'm just going to say, when you divorce someone, who, it's hard, right? Divorce is difficult. But when you are divorcing someone with mental health issues, and Kanye has reportedly been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and perhaps other mental health issues, it goes into the stratosphere of difficult. And you are seeing that because of the high profile nature of these individuals, you are seeing this play out in the news. And frankly, honestly, it's pretty sad that this is happening. You you are really getting a front row seat to a mental health breakdown of a, of, of a kind. Um, it's just one of those things, you know, that we need to understand that, you know, I, I remember a couple of times during the marriage when Kanye would go a little off the rails or his behavior would become a little erratic, Kim felt the need at certain points in time to ask people for their their kindness and for their understanding as he struggled with mental health issues and that and this is important it is really hard when the person struggling is a legal adult because you cannot make them get help you can ask them you can beg them for god's sakes and i know people do but you cannot make them get help and that is the hard hard part um so if that's hard while you're married, just imagine how hard it is when you're going through a divorce. And so often when you are going through a divorce with someone who's struggling with mental health issues, it just is drama 
after drama. And you will just see Kim constantly, you know, keeping her mouth shut for the most part, but trying to see, see um, shield the children. And this is, this is really hard stuff because she does not have control over Kanye. One other thing that I think is abundantly apparent, at least from a, an extrapolation of facts from the news stories, is that Kanye's jumping out to the forefront and antics, I'll call them, really ramped up when Kim's very public new relationship with Pete Davidson happened. Um, you hadn't heard too much during the divorce. It seemed like it was moving along all sunshine and roses um, when you did hear anything. And then all of a sudden, when this new relationship hit the news, Kanye is out there raising this ruckus. And it's incessant, right? There was the birthday party of their children where he alleged he was not allowed in and that Pete was there. And, you know, that was a whole public thing. There's uh, Kanye telling his followers to yell and I put that in quote, at Pete Davidson when they see him out in public, which has increased fears for the safety of Pete Davidson. This is like saying, you know, yell at him. Well, people do in the world we live in today, unfortunately, people do more. And then really interestingly, but not a, a surprise really for those of us who deal with high conflict and uh, mental health issues and divorce, Kanye has been going along with a very public dating situation with um, a young lady I don't remember her name. Um, I don't think it was really important who she was because she was just a part of his play, his his very public, um, you know, situation he was putting out there for people. But there he is out there going and, and organizing photo shoots with this woman and, and interviews and how wonderful it is. And then all the while he's saying how much he wants to get back together with Kim. And then yesterday, you know, I'm taping this on... Um, on Wednesday for the release tomorrow, on Monday, he sent Kim a literal truckload of roses. Um, so you can't make this stuff up. He just is incessant. And I'm sure before this airs tomorrow morning, there will be something else in the news so that when you listen to this Thursday morning when it launches, um, God knows what else will have happened. But we, we are really seeing a very public meltdown, and I'm not sure where this will go. I would, again, Kim has no control or little control over Kanye. I would imagine those around him, his loved ones, his handlers, whoever that might be, his attorney for certain, I would think, are pulling their hair out because they just don't know what to do here. Um, I do want to note we're not hearing all that much from Kim. Um, I would say that that is because she's very ably represented and advised by in multiple people, but uh, one is her attorney, Laura Wasser. Um, and, she, and there's no point to it. Bad-mouthing her children's father is not particularly helpful. But she did um, just yesterday file with the court a request to have the legal status of their marriage uh, dissolved. Um, in California, they allow something called bifurcation, which allows the legal status of the marriage to be dissolved prior to there being an agreement on all other financial issues. So that would mean that if this is granted, they will both be single, but they'll still be entwined financially and they'll, of course, still always be co-parents. Um, but it is, you know, she said in her pleadings, they have been trying to engage Kanye in productive settlement talks and he's just basically disappeared. Um, we know where he's gone cause he, he's all over the news where he is every day, but this is really, 
you know, her one opportunity to move this case forward and try to get some normalcy in her life or at least some forward momentum. Um, And it's not an unusual thing to see in a difficult case like this, because frankly, the financial stuff might drag out for years. Um, So at least, you know, it's an interesting legal matter when someone gets divorced legally, but still is entwined financially, and then they go remarry or something happens. But that'll be a new news story if it happens. Um, One of the things that I think I I, I guess I'd like to end with is that, you know, if they ever do end up in court over parenting issues, I don't think Kanye is setting himself up very well in the eyes of a court. Um, I think he thinks he's scoring points by stating that he, you know, he's questioning Kim's parenting choices, most notably around their daughter North's TikTok account and stuff like that. But unfortunately, I think for him, and this would just be my personal opinion, but his erratic behavior would lend itself in a judge's eyes to the question of his ability to co-parent with Kim. Like, is he going to actually be able to engage in significant co-parenting conversations with her? And can he safely and appropriately parent his children when they are with him? So, Although these antics may be doing something for him in the moment and he may be getting positive feedback from his followers on social media or whoever is feeding this, in the end, I do think it's going to come back to bite him in the butt should he ever find himself in a courtroom. as As attorneys, we will always tell our clients, you know, take the high road. You never want to be standing in front of a judge with unclean hands or dirty hands. And certainly, you know, out of these two in this situation, at least what we know publicly, Kim is in by far a better situation to be standing in front of a judge right now. So there's our our cases ripped from the headlines. Um, I, I thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And more importantly, I hope you learned a few tips and tricks to help you through your journey. Um, If I can ask you for one favor, please just take a moment to leave me a rating and review for the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Most of them have a way to leave a comment on an episode, leave a, a rating, leave a review. The most impactful one is Apple Podcasts. If you happen to have the ability to do that, I would so greatly appreciate it. It is the number one way podcasts gain more visibility and it will help me to reach more people so that I can help them through their journey through divorce and beyond.